Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive. We nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Traveling with children of any age can be difficult at times. Traveling with someone who has special needs can add additional challenges to the regular stresses of travel. So when you combine the two, traveling with a child who has special needs can seem like an impossible task. But it isn't impossible. It's simply a new challenge where the rewards are worth well more than the effort. Today, we're speaking with autism mom and special needs travel coach, Sarah Marshall. She helps those who dream about a perfect family vacation, but struggle with making that dream come true because of the stressful reality of their child's unique situation. Sarah takes her firsthand experience and professional expertise to find families the unique supports and accommodations to make their vacations a time to heal from stress so they can focus on making lifetime memories. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really excited because I know now is just kind of a crazy time, people planning vacations, and I'm planning my own vacation and just wanted to share your personal and professional experience with everyone and traveling with someone that may have special needs. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, inviting me to be on. Yeah, I I know that as summer comes up, we're all thinking about needing to get away. We all deserve a vacation. We all deserve some time away. And it can be really difficult to imagine what that might look like if you've not done it a long time or you had an experience that might have been negative and yeah um, and yeah so awesome well so when people first start off hey I want to go on a vacation or even if they just have to travel somewhere not necessarily for a vacation but you are having to take your your child who is on the spectrum or has some special needs, what are some of the questions that they need to start asking themselves? Like what what should we be doing to prepare for this? Oh, that's a great question. So the first thing that you have to figure out is the place that you want to go. So maybe, like you said, maybe you're forced to go someplace. Maybe a family trip is coming up and, and you're all going to a place that you don't know if they can Um, accommodate your family, you really have to do the planning ahead of time to contact them and say, these are my needs, and you have to be very specific. For instance, I know with my son, feeding issues is a big deal, Mm -hmm. and he only can eat a certain number of foods. So, you know, making sure that you know, have a list. This restaurant has a grilled cheese sandwich on the kids' menu. This restaurant is fancy. We have to go there, but they did say that they would make a quesadilla or a cheese pizza or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you need. Um, You really have to get to that level of detail when you're in your planning. And one of the the things that I always suggest when you're planning is to use the five W's and H, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And and really think about, okay, so you're going someplace, who is going to be responsible for what thing? An example from my own life is, when we're overseas, my husband is really bad about being able to understand people who who don't speak English or who speak English with a, an accent. Uh-huh. And so I don't want to embarrass him. He doesn't want to embarrass himself. So we, we have a, a system where I know that I'm responsible only for talking to people who don't speak English. And right. he is responsible for my son when that happens. So we were in Italy. We needed tickets to the train. My son needed to go to the bathroom. 
there was no arguing, no, like, blaming each other, no, like, you did this, you did that. Like, we knew ahead of time I would get the tickets, he would take into the bathroom. It made it so much easier. Oh, that's a good um, point. Because we didn't waste time, like, you know, arguing with each other. Yeah. That's what I mean by, like, getting to that detail. So, you know, who? Who's going to be responsible for what? Who are you meeting with? Who could be a resource to you? What are you going to do and when are you going to do it? Like, detail out the itinerary. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you know exactly where you're going, when you're going there, how long it takes to get there. My son does really well when I prepare him with a a visual schedule. Mm -hmm. So we would actually write the visual schedule. We'd say, okay, we're going to get in the car. It's going to take us four hours. After four hours, we're going to stop. We're going to have lunch. <laughs> you know, we really yes. like it to the detail, to the minute, like have that ready. How are you going to do certain things? So if you have a child with mobility issues, you know, how are you going to get from A to Z? Do you have a, a car? Do you need to rent a wheelchair accessible van? Do you need help? Do you need to hire somebody to help you get from point A to point B? Uh, you know, sure. making a list of that ahead of time, finding those resources. And then my thing is, you have to really figure out the why. So here's an example of what I mean. Mm -hmm. I really, we went to Italy with my son. We did a, a week-long road trip. And we were in Florence. We had one day in Florence. And I had bought tickets to Michelangelo's. David, you have to buy time tickets ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And earlier that day, my son got sick. And that happened. I think people get sick. People don't feel well. You know, right. people have a meltdown, whatever it is. He threw up all over Rick Steve's favorite restaurant. I love <laughs> to say that because I think it's funny. But, but I, we went back to the room, you know, we, we gave him some Pedialyte, and we, we had to think about why are we in Florence? Are we in Florence just to see Michelangelo's David? Right. Or, and if so, and that, that is an okay thing to say yes. I had to, I wanted to go. If I was going to be in Florence and I had these tickets, I wanted to go. So then the conversation had to be, okay, husband stays behind with Aiden my son mm -hmm. and I go ahead, or do we all go, you know, how is everyone feeling? Um, and it's okay to prioritize seeing something or having a vacation experience if your child isn't ready for it. But on the flip side, you have to be prepared for that. Because if you're not prepared, you'll get disappointed or, you yeah. know, you might get upset or feel like let down. Sure. And you shouldn't because you could plan for that. You could say, you know, I'm really, this is important to me or maybe this is important to my husband. So if something happens, he's going to go ahead without me and we'll stay behind, you know, and, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but you have to figure out, is it why you're doing it? And is it, is it a priority for you to get that done if something were to happen? Right. Um, and so anyway, so that's how I always start my planning process. Um, mm -hmm. And I tell people, you know, really ask yourself those questions. Be truthful. Write it down. Like, do a jot journal where you just jot everything that's in your head. And um, and may, then, you know, make sure that you address all those things before you make a decision. That's great. Yeah, you you have to think all of the different scenarios that could happen. And it, it's really nice when you have like a travel partner, such as your husband or, or maybe your wife oh, yeah. that, and just having that communication before you go is especially crucial. Why don't you share with everyone how this whole travel thing came to be? You had shared with me before we started recording that your husband, you both, have had to travel for your jobs and then uh -huh. I think as with any parent that has 
a child, you're like, okay, (laughs) things have changed a bit. We can't just, you know, pack up, buy a plane ticket and go somewhere. You know, you have to kind of adjust your expectations and the planning and everything. How did you, how did all of this travel experience come to be? Sure. So um, my son, his name is Aiden. He is 10. And 10 years ago, my husband and I, yeah, we're traveling for work. We we work in a job that sends us overseas and sends us domestically. And we were living in the Middle East and had, and Aiden came early. And that happens sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was three months early. And so we had, he had to be born overseas. He was born in Israel. Wow. And we stayed there for five months while he was in the NICU. And, you know, when you live a, an, an adventurous life, you, you sort of, assume that you have a kid and he's just going to fall right into it, you know? Right. Even though traveling with children of any of any ability, you know, even neurotypical children, is difficult, mm-hmm. you, you just imagine, oh, he's, he's going to be the type of baby that's going to run with giraffes and South Africa, <laughs> yeah. he's going to, you know, meet the, the little boys in, in India and play on the beach and whatever. You have these visions. Sure. So, um, you know, they said Aiden is sick and he needs to go home. And so we went back to the United States, and it was it was tough. Um, we were in the house a lot. He has this sort of immunocompromised. He had a feeding tube. He had oxygen. We had nurses around the clock so that we could sleep, you know, because his alarms would go off all times of the day. Yeah. And, and it was really hard. My husband and I didn't really talk if it wasn't about medical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I feel like people understand this. It, it, you just become subsumed or consumed with the diagnosis with the issues, you know, just to make sure that your your child gets everything that they need. Right. You just become obsessed almost. Yes. Um, yes. And so when Aiden was a year old, his pulmonologist, his lung doctor said, you know what? I think he's okay to go on a plane. And we mm-hmm. said, great. We have family in Arizona. We're going to go. And I was so petrified. I, you know, how do you do a feeding tube on a plane? How do you do oxygen on a plane? Right. You know, what if he, you know, and he was, you know, still a baby. What if he, as a blowout on a plane, like I don't know anything. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just, we just went, and and it was okay. Uh, it wasn't great, but it was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the beauty of the trip was that, you know, for the first time we went hike. We took him hiking, like we put him in a, a baby backpack, and we had his oxygen strapped to the the back, and and he did great. He was smiling, and he had a great time. And when you see your child enjoying themselves, especially when their life has been so rough yeah, um, and so many things have happened to them. You, you yourself, I mean, I, I just had this tremendous transformation where I was able to see my son as not so much like a, a patient of mine, you know, one that I really had to care for and more of like a, you know, an actual loving human being that I was like, you know, in love with and just wanted to be around all the time. Yeah. So it was a huge transformation for everybody. And, and ever since then, we've made it a point to, take at least one, so we call it an adventure, one adventure a year, mm-hmm. a big adventure, maybe small adventures around our house or wherever we live. Uh-huh. Um, and it gets easier. The more you do it, the more you learn your lessons, the more you go through that planning process I talked about, you have a plan in place that really works for you, that works for your child, that works for your family. And yeah, and so then recently we were in London, England, and mm-hmm. um, Aiden was in a therapeutic school for children with communication disorders, and there was a, a family there who every year they'd travel to France. And, you know, her child, once he got his autism diagnosis, 
it was a lot more difficult for them to travel successfully. And we, we would go to Scotland. We went to Scotland for two weeks. We went to Italy. We went to France a bunch of times while we were there. And she would always say, well, how, are you, how do you do that? Yeah. And I said, we just do. Like, I have an itinerary. <laughs> I do this. I plan. You know, I have, I've, I've honed, I've perfected this over many, many years. Yeah. And that made me realize that even though she travels with her family, she still is so frightened of the of the what if the one the unknowns and absolutely and so I really wanted to help her and that's what, that's when I started sort of doing this for my friends and then we got to a point where I needed to find you know what I wanted to do with my life sort of you know what I want to be when I grow up and I decided that that this support that I could provide the whole you know the the really helping families to make these travel dreams come true. That, that's my passion. That's what I really wanted to do. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then I became a, an official travel professional, and that's that's what I've been doing. That's incredible. Yeah, I think it's it's that's the best thing. When you find something that you're truly passionate about, you just give everything you can to it, and you have such reward in that. You know, at the end of the yeah. day, you can say, oh, my gosh, I helped this person. And to, to sit back and lay your head down on the pillow and say, I helped this family make lifetime memories. That's got to feel great. No? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've had some, some real success stories with my clients. And every single time they tell me, you know, how whatever success story they, they have, I just I almost cry because it, it is so nice to know that I am able to provide them a level of support that they weren't able to think that was possible. Yes. And, um, and really help them to, to connect together, as a, reconnect as a family and enjoy each other and, and, and get the rest that they need. Because, again, we all deserve that. You know, we deserve that yeah. rest and recuperation. And, and to make that happen for people is, is really rewarding. Yeah, and we all think that a vacation's not supposed to be stressful, right? And I've been on stressful yeah. fam- family vacations <laughs> with and without a child. So, it, you know, that's our time to kind of detox from the world. And so when you have those unique accommodations and supports and stuff, it just makes everything so much easier. Have you found that Aiden has become better over time? With this, I mean, it's got to be a good therapy for him, I would think. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, the, I remember we were flying back from London one time. It was a terrible flight. He cried the whole time. He, he didn't, he pushed out his feeding tube. I mean, there was a lot of things that went wrong. And those, and, you know, as we had those bad experiences, we also had amazing experiences. You know, we, when we moved to London, everybody said, oh, he's not going to survive. You know, he's, he's going to fail because you're in a different country. You're away from your family. You don't know what you're doing. But he thrived. I mean, every time we pushed him, he got more confident in his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, he started talking. He was nonverbal, but he started talking. He ate for the first time. And in fact, while we were in London, he got his feeding tube removed permanently because he was able to eat um, wow. on his own. And I mean, that, again, my I would say my results are dramatic. I'm not saying that moving to London <laughs> equals his eating. <laughs> right, but, exactly. But taking an adventure to Italy is where he tasted pizza for the first time and realized he was able to eat it because all everybody was so supportive and he was he wasn't in his therapeutic chair in a therapeutic meal with his timers and everything he was just able to be himself and I and I you know he ate ice cream for the first time he actually he used to be so regimented Mm -hmm. with his schedule that if anything changed like if I you know if, if I told him we were going somewhere and then that place was closed 
it, he'd have a huge meltdown. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, Aiden, you know, we meant to go there, but it's closed. He'd be like, okay, where are we going instead? Like he's very even about it. But I think that comes from a lot of t- practice, you know, on the road or in an airplane or whatever, where the, the schedule is flexible and he needs to, you know, accommodate that. And even now he'll ask the other day, he asked me, he said, mom, I really need to go on an adventure. And we don't <laughs> call it vacation anymore because you're right. Vacation, the, the word vacation brings up the idea that you, brings up the idea that you're actually going to have rest and recuperation. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you you might not. So, sure. um, so we all like the idea of adventure because adventure means you're going to do some amazing things and have some fun times and maybe it'll go wrong, maybe it'll go right. But at the end, you've had this experience that you'll remember for a lifetime. And so yeah. the other day he said to me, you know, mom, I really need an adventure now, you know, and he, and I just realized we've been stuck inside the house because Chicago is cold and he was, we needed he's to ready get to get out. He, needed, he yeah. needed that. Yeah, he needed that experience. He needed that, you know, challenge to his mind and his physicality. You know, he he needed something. So that I I was just like bowled over when he said that to me because yeah, you know, that's a huge change from the kid who was fearful every time we would tell him we were you know going from one location to another. So well, you bring up a great point. I think that it's a lesson for everyone. I mean, if we think about ourselves, just as autism parents, autism caregivers, the only way that we have grown in life is when we've been stretched. And so there is such power in that. And so that I know sometimes on a daily basis, I'm like, oh, gosh, this doesn't feel so good. This is part of this is out of my routine, you know, but we just kind of roll with the punches, if you will. And that's where the growth yeah. comes in. So it's it's yeah. good for all of the family members and for those who have special needs as well. And I think Alex is an only child and is Aiden an only child as well? Yes, Aiden is Aiden is an only child and he um you know, recently he's been asking about you know, he wants a sibling or whatever, but but it, he he I think for us it's actually been easier to have the only child because we can focus all of our attention on him. I've helped families with multiple children. Yes. Um, children that have, you know, I've, I've helped families where one child had Down syndrome, one child had ADHD, and one child was neurotypical. You know, so the needs, the need profile was very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we can really talk about, you know, I, I know you were talking about, you know, the, the benefit of having a partner, travel partner. Yeah. But if you are a single mom, or you're a single dad, or you are a grandma raising children, and you don't have help, that's where we can find you resources where there will be help available so that Mm. you don't feel like you're all alone. Yes. Um, And, you know, and I I, I, I freely admit that only having one makes it very easy for us. (laughs) Yes, Um, as with any parent. But many, yeah, many families with multiple children and multiple needs have had good success following my plan and and how to how to make sure that you get the support that you need yeah and again the I think the communications begins with the siblings too before you travel you know maybe there's oh, right. there's a an older sibling or even a younger sibling it's like okay you're going to be responsible for this and right. I think there's that's probably pretty cool for them to feel like they're they're contributing to the whole family adventure or vacation as well right another issue, you know you bring up a good point about being responsible another thing that we've always that has helped us is as Aiden has grown, we've made him responsible for small amounts 
So yeah. um, we got him one of those, they're very popular, what are they called? Trunky suitcases where you can like decorate them to look like a cat or look like a pig or whatever. Yeah. And he had to be responsible for carrying his stuff. And, and that actually, this was even when he was nonverbal, that made a huge difference because he had a project. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't focused on, this is scaring me, this is a loud noise, this is, you know, he was like, I'm focused on my suitcase and I'm going to focus on that suitcase until, That's so you, know, sweet. you know, and that, that, you know, and now he has his own backpack. He has to carry his own things. He has to be responsible. You know, we help him at the security line to pull out his electronics, but he has to be responsible for putting them back and carrying them. And that's made a huge difference in his ability to engage with the experience as opposed to sort of being frightened of it. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's so cool. Even like maybe activity kits that you could even bring, whether it's for the airplane or the bus or however you may be traveling just like little things to kind of make the whole journey itself fun even if it's I guess a little fidget toy or something but yeah just something to distract them just enough not to take them completely out of the moment but you know to to focus on maybe some of the sensory intake that they're experiencing and just distract them a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, mean, I, th- I always send like little wrapped gifts that the kids can have to wait until they're on the plane to open. Oh, that's fine. And I know that Aiden, yeah, Aiden was definitely afraid of the jetway that went from the airport to the airplane. And that was the only way I could get him to go to walk independently and get on the plane was I promised him a gift. And he would get so excited about it, you know, that he'd run down the jetway, get on the plane, sit down. I'd give him the uh-huh. gift and then, you know, we'd start... So even little tiny things like that can make a huge difference. Oh, and we, yeah, uh, my son still gets excited about the dollar store. So it doesn't have to be like anything oh, yeah. that's really expensive. You could go to a oh, dollar yeah, store definitely. and wrap a toy car up and it would be great. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of times when I have traveled, I'm a single mom. And so when I look at the hotels that we're staying in, even though Alex doesn't need some of the physical, you know, accommodations like wheelchair ramps or anything like that, You'll see these blanket statements, you know, on hotel websites. So we accommodate special needs. And so special needs is such an umbrella statement for so many different things. I mean, what does that, what does special needs mean? What are they talking about? How do you kind of navigate that whole space? Is it really just having, you know, picking up the phone and talking with someone at a front desk to see what those accommodations are or you know if someone doesn't use your services how can they go about trying to find those accommodations yeah that's that's a great question so let me say start by first saying that um you are totally correct a lot of hotels or resorts or theme parks will say that they are special needs accessible Mm -hmm. but a lot of times they don't understand the intricacies of autism spectrum disorders or um, genetic conditions. Oftentimes they simply have a, a, a sort of a broad view of a physical disability, you know, the legal mandated accommodation and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So in that space, there is an organization called the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards that has created an autism travel website, autismtravel.com. And it lists all of the resorts that are trained and staffed to accommodate families with autism spectrum disorders. Wow. And really what that means is that they've had a site survey. So someone who is trained in uh, psychology, usually education, they go down 
to the facility and they do a site survey and they say, okay, these rooms could be identified as sensory friendly, this ride is too scary, needs to be fixed, or whatever it is, or, you know, they, they talk about honoring families' dietary um, wishes because a lot of times, even mm-hmm. if you don't have allergies, you might not be able to eat. You know, my child had a feeding tube for a long time and he couldn't physically eat bread, you know, so if we needed just cheese, you know, I needed to be able to go to the restaurant and ask for just cheese and have them give it to me without them complaining about it. Sure. Um, and so, th- though they have actually trained the staff, 80% at least of the staff has to be trained in what autism spectrum disorder is, how to accommodate families, and so there's a level of understanding about our needs that is much higher than any other resort that would say that they are special needs friendly because they have been trained in the specific disorder. That's and so, so that's cool. big. That's a big move for the travel industry. But I think you're right. If there's an or- if there's a place you want to go that isn't that doesn't say that they are special needs friendly, that you do need to call. So I'll give you a couple examples. Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, for instance, is great. They have a disability access pass that so you can get on the rides. And you can, you do not legally have to tell them what your disability is, but you normally want to bring some sort of doctor's note so you can get that pass. But let's say you also want a room that's an interior hallway that's away from the elevators because your child is an eloper. You just call them and you say, hi, I'm coming. I need an interior room. It's, you know, they always assign rooms usually like 10 days before the stay. Okay. So you call them two weeks before you say, hi. I'd really like to make sure that we get an interior room away from an elevator on a high floor, whatever, or a low floor, you know, whatever your needs are, you feel your needs are. Mm-hmm. And usually, usually, they will be able to accommodate. Now, they may not be able to. And that's always the, the risk that you run when you don't book with, with somebody that's specific for that disability. Sure. But for the most part, they are very accommodating. So, for instance, uh, there's a room that they have these bunk beds. Mm-hmm. And and they're shaped like the minion cars. And oh, yeah. so in in like two of the rooms there are bunk beds and in the rest of the rooms they're separate. Well, I had three children staying in there, one um, who had Down syndrome, and I needed it not to be the bunk bedroom because I didn't want him falling off because he was a, a he liked to jump. Yes. And I didn't want him jumping off the top bunk. And so I called ahead of time and I said, uh, hi, when you assign rooms, I need these people to be in a room that is not the bunk bedroom. And because I called, they assigned them to a non-bunk bedroom, whereas people who didn't call would have been later on the list might have gotten the bunk bedroom. So it really doesn't hurt to call. You know, It doesn't hurt to call and say, this is what I need. Be polite about it. This is what I need. Can you accommodate? I had a friend that went to the Hard Rock Hotel in Cancun, Mexico. Mm -hmm. They needed special food. They called ahead. The restaurant said, we will not accommodate. Mm. And that's, they are in every right not to accommodate those needs. But she ended up going and they had a terrible time. It was for a family event, so they sort of had to go. But she knew ahead of time, they're not going to accommodate, so I need to find a grocery store and I need to buy things and I need to have a refrigerator in the room. So she called again. She said, okay, great. I'm sorry that you're not going to accommodate me, but I, now I need a refrigerator in the room so that I can have the food that she will eat. And that they did accommodate that. Because okay. they, you know, they want you to have a good vacation but they may not be able to accommodate the fit, the, everything that you need. Yeah, but at in least meantime, you know in went, advance. Right, you know in advance and you can make that plan. Then they went to another re- resort in Mexico. They called ahead and they said, yes, we will accommodate, and they had an amazing time. So, again, it doesn't. I think the best thing is to call. 
call yeah. them, talk to somebody, be very polite and say, listen, we're coming. We're very excited. My family has needs and I just want to make sure that I understand what accommodations are available. Yeah. And have that, you know, frank discussion and, and, and really be clear with what you need. If you need cheese pizza at every meal, tell them you need cheese pizza at every meal. Like, mm-hmm. don't say, do you do gluten-free? You know, like, because that's very nebulous. Um, right. Say, my son only eats mac and cheese. Are you able to accommodate that? And if they say no, then say, okay, great. Could you point me in the direction of a grocery store where I can buy mac and cheese cups or whatever, you know? Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, that's great advice yeah. for sure. You have so many tips. I'm sure that you we could just talk for for days on it. I um, know. <laughs> I definitely I like travel. I know. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah. Well, and and rightly so. You've had such amazing experiences, and you've made so many memories. And I'm really excited to. I'm going to start kind of digging in, and I think we're going to make a big trip this year. So I'll definitely be calling you because try to engage your your services for sure but Sarah it's been such a pleasure speaking with you and thank you so much for sharing all of this advice and some of you you know just your personal story too it's just been amazing well thank you so much for having me and yeah let me just say that you know if anyone just wants to chat I'm always happy to chat I like to talk as you can tell (laughs) and um, if even if you have a vacation already planned and you don't need any help, but you just want to go, you know, walk through something. I will give you all my contact information, and then you could just give me a call. I'd love to talk. Well, thank you. Yeah, we'll be including that contact information in the podcast notes. Um, so feel free to contact Sarah. And sounds like that you would give some great advice. So thank you again. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, thanks. For our loved ones on the autism spectrum, traveling with unfamiliar routines and encountering stressful situations can be really hard, but you can show them that traveling can be a great adventure. Some helpful tips to consider may be consider the must-haves when you travel, such as is there a specific food, toy, or routine that your child must have? Uh, Number two, use social stories before you travel to help them prepare. Even finding YouTube videos on where you're going can help. Three, prepare activity kits, or as Sarah discussed, maybe a little toy that can be wrapped can be helpful. Number four, bring an emergency bag and medical information if needed. And number five, slow down. Just incorporate breaks for the whole family when traveling, and it'll help them and you enjoy the moment. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of my autism tribe, and I'll see you next week.